That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Okay, well, here we are, Pentecost. We are in a new season. The colors are red. Uh, we are 50 days from the um, resurrection of Jesus and um, from Easter, and uh, we celebrate this one. This is one of the great feast days of the church. Um, and uh, when we talk about Pentecost, we are not talking about um, Pentecostal per se, although that might include some of it. Um, Aaron was hearing me pray in tongues earlier today, and uh, but uh, we are talking about. Um, you got to do it, Jake. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll Should keep, have we'll... bought a Hyundai, but instead of bought a Kia. But anyway. Um, <laughs> We just I lost half our listeners, but anyway, that's right. Um, that's right. The the day penta penta means comes from fifty, and so this is fifty days from the resurrection of Jesus, and uh, our readings, and this is the day where we commemorate not the birth of the church, because wherever faith has been present in the promises of God. Um, uh, uh, then you have a church. And so, Abraham was a church. But what you have here is the uh, opening of the doors to all nations um, uh, that they may come. And so, this is uh, all of the nations now being added to uh, this great church, this great new and powerful Israel grafted on. And so, this is what we celebrate. And the colors are red. And why are they red, Aaron? Do you know? Uh well, I think, Jake, it's because of the fire That's that came right. down from heaven fire. on Pentecost. Fire That's on right. ya. So, <laughs> quote Benny Hinn. Uh, by the, <laughs> but, yeah, oh, let's not talk about him. Uh, the thing that I, I want to note about Pentecost um, is that it's not a name that Christians invented. It was an yes. existing holiday. You know, Easter, in English, actually, we call it Easter, which uh, I should do some research and figure out what why we say that in English, but in many places around the world, in Russian and in Spanish and lots of languages, the name for Easter is, is actually the same Pasca. as Passover, yeah. Pascha, um, but in, uh, because that's what the holiday was. Uh, Pentecost is sort of the same thing in that Jews gathered to celebrate what they called Pentecost because it was the 50 days after Passover, and it was the Festival of Booths or uh, the Feast Shavuot. Of Shavuot. The Feast That's of Shavuot. Right. This is and the commemoration of the. This is the commemoration of the receiving of the law. So, yeah. yeah. And so, if you lived in Brookline, Massachusetts, or uh, like I did in a uh, heavily Jewish neighborhood, you'd go on walks and you would see people with uh, booths built in their backyard, and it was sort of uh, was this time of celebration. Uh, yeah, and as, as Jake you mentioned, the giving of the law, and it, and if you know that history, that Pentecost did not. St- Start with the Holy Spirit. It was uh, connected to a previous act of God in the life of His people. Um, uh, it, it this is a, a contrast. It it um, this isn't the giving of the law. This is the fact that the law has been filled uh, by Christ for us, and so God can 
dwell in us and with us, and um, and that's why the Holy Spirit comes. So it's kind of taking some of the language and the imagery and the story from the old Pentecost and everything becomes new in, in Jesus. And mm. so, but, you know, so that's that's a good kind of salvation history, biblical theology description of what's going on here. But how do we make this connect with, uh, well, with people it opens up with, in yeah. Los Pews? Well, I think, um, you know, you can begin with the first reading is from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. And really, this is um, what um, Pentecost redeems. And so, in Genesis chapter 11, you have the great uh, building of the Tower of Babel, uh, the biggest ziggurat anyone had ever seen. And they were going it's to do this. It's not ziggurat, it's ziggurat. It's a Z- giant yeah. tower. You say yeah. ziggurat, I say ziggurat. But anyway, um, <laughs> there they are. You're smoking in the a la- huge blunt right now, which is sort of funny <laughs> that you said that. Anyways, they're they're in the ahead. land of Shinar, and they settled there, everybody. And uh, they begin to uh, make a, a giant temple, and they're all speaking one language and uh, and I love that the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals held built and the Lord said look they're one people and they have all one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do um, and uh, nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them so um, he goes down God goes down and confuses their language now this is a very uh, very interesting thing that's happening here and um, it uh, has lots of ramifications that will connect with your parishioners the first is um, this idea of how we try and build our own temples and we try and build our own monuments to ourselves and uh, and we hope in a profound way that these monuments Monuments to ourselves, whether it's your job, whether it, whatever it is, these things that we build to ourselves will somehow bridge the gap and reach and reach God. And this is and this is really what um, the the sin of Babel is actually all about. Mm-hmm. That's right. Trying to get God on our own strength, which is perennially the the sin of human beings. This is Adam and Eve. You know, they didn't want God to be God. They wanted to be God. Um, and this is what we do all the time. And so God is going to confuse our languages and it sort of seems like a punishment, but in some sense, it's a mercy. It's a merciful thing. Mm. Um, but it's, it's, it makes clear that the diversity of languages from this biblical perspective is a result of human striving to be God. It's, it's, um, the, the diversity of languages is something that's very much connected to the sinfulness of human beings. And um, the fact that this gets undone in some respect, or at least the different languages are used to communicate the good news of God for everybody, again, is a beautiful turn of events. And so when you get this Genesis 11 story, um, it really puts into context what's about to happen in the Acts reading. Um, Acts, uh, the story of Pentecost is the undoing in some sense, or the or the restoring of, of the unity of all people that was undone in, in Genesis 11. Well, and you know, the powerful thing about the story of Babel is, is that, you know, while we may try and reach up to God, the good news of the gospel here, and while we may try and build monuments to our lives, all of those monuments are simply temporal. You know, um, mm-hmm. the ziggurats are uh, are they they they've run their course you know what i mean and um and actually in actuality i mean if you go to syria today in places where they were building ziggurats i mean isis has completely decimated those things and a lot of them you know are the monuments the point i'm making is is that the monuments to ourselves will never last 
We cannot reach up to God on our own. But the good news of the gospel is that he has come down to us and who, although he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, um, taking uh, to the point of death on a cross. And, you know, this is the thing, is that we don't need to reach up to God because God is coming to us. And uh, he's not going to meet us on, we don't reach up to God because when we do that, we try and get him on our terms. But he's going to come and meet us on his terms. And uh, and we see this then begin to flood into the story of Acts chapter 2 yep. verses 1 through 21. And this is a powerful, powerful, but oftentimes mispreached uh, passage of scripture. Yeah, so what are your pet peeves about how people talk about this passage, Jake? <clears throat> yeah, my biggest pet peeve is the, is the focus on on kind of the divided of tongues um, and the fire and uh, and all of a sudden just kind of, you know, the, the praying in tongues. And this is a complete misunderstanding of like what's really hitting here. You have to go back just to the previous chapter and there the disciples, they see the residents right before Jesus's ascension. And they're like, now are you going to restore the kingdom? They still don't get it. Now are you going to overthrow Rome? All of these things. And he's like, man, go to Jerusalem and wait till you get further instruction. And so then they come to this day of Pentecost. Now, this is not the first day of Pentecost. This is the second Pentecost. When you preach this text, you need to remind everybody that this is the second Pentecost. The first Pentecost took place at the base of Mount Sinai 50 days after the Passover. And on that day, there was smoke, there was fire, there was wind, and the people were terrified. And there's yeah. also a lot of imagery here related to the prophet Ezekiel, uh, a lot of Ezekiel prophecy as well. But all of this is coming together, and they, the disciples here are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, the interesting thing about this feast in uh, the Jewish in Jewish synagogues, and you can it, it's still, still celebrated today. I mean, I guarantee you, on Pentecost there will be a service at the Brotherhood synagogue across the park from us. But on the Feast of Shavuot, this is the one service where the entire service is done in Hebrew, not in another language, but in Hebrew, and uh, someone of authority is only allowed to speak. Not just any Tom, Dick, or Harry can get up and say a few words at this particular service. This is the one service where only men of authority are allowed to speak. And so all of a sudden, they start hearing um, and uh, bewildered because each one of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. And they're amazed and astonished because they're like, aren't these guys Galileans? Like, you know, the like this, what is going on, these yokels? But now we're hearing, each of us here in our own language, in all of these various languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds and power. And this is the powerful thing. God's deeds of power is how he has now fulfilled the law in Jesus Christ. Like what happened on that first Pentecost has been fulfilled now in Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit has fallen and the disciples now, boom, get it. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one, what does this mean? But others sneered, and they were like, they're filled with new wine, you know? And here is where Peter gets up. And this is the most important part of the text, not them praying in tongues, but the message Peter's about to deliver. And this is the format of the book of Acts. Every time there's a—the miracle is so small. It's the message that follows afterwards that's key. 
Sorry. That's how, I mean, that's exactly what you just type that. That is exactly what yeah. I'm going to preach. So <laughs> I mean, I can keep and, going. Yep. There it is. <laughs> uh, coming in hot. Yeah. Jake, and so, it. well, he's, Peter gets up and he's like, men of Judea and all who live, let this be known to you and listen to what these men are not drunk because it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Now, there was nobody from SAE, obviously, at this uh, first day of Pentecost, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Zinger. but anyway, mm. but, um, but this is what was broken through the prophet Joel. And he begins to deliver what they are hearing in their own tongues. And it's not, I should have bought a Hyundai, wish I bought a Kia. What they are hearing is that in the last days, it will be God declaring that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. The Gentiles now, this is boom. It's not just about Jews anymore, but it is about Gentiles also. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy and see visions. And what does this mean? Then they are going to understand. They're going to speak the truth of God. No longer is it's just like, but it's no longer just appointed men, but it's everybody and they're going to have see dreams and and all of this amazing stuff about like how we're going to get the gospel to the very ends of the earth and uh, that's, that's right. what it's about and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved amen hit that man like preach that message gosh yeah yeah because the thing that's sort of amazing here is that in the immediate previous chapter, as you mentioned, Jake, the disciples didn't get it. Mm. Like Jesus had died and risen from the dead, which is incredible. And they were like, and now are you going to do the real thing? (laughs) Like that, are you going to do the thing where you kick the Romans out and take over and rule the world and we can be in power with you now? So can we go back to plan A? Yeah. We (laughs) thought that it was all over when you died, but now that you're back, now we can get back to the thing we thought you should always do. Yeah. Which is fix the world through, you know, temporal power or something. So, um, They still don't get it. And yet, in God's great mercy, in another act of forgiveness, sends his Holy Spirit for these folks. Uh, You know, they didn't really believe the resurrection was going to happen. It happened. Even after that, there was doubt and confusion. And they were still scared. They were still waiting in Jerusalem in this upper room with the doors locked because they were afraid. And even then, the Holy Spirit comes. So this is a great I think, picture of what the Christian life is like. Um, we so often think it's stuff we have to muster up on our own, kind of pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, mm-hmm. and get spiritual, make ourselves spiritual, have enough faith. Um, and uh, and here you have this picture of God doing all the work. They're just sitting there waiting, haven't done a good job, have not been good examples, have not been good disciples. And the Spirit comes, lands, and gives them this message, this message that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, and it's for everybody. Um, and I think that's a, a the, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is, as you say, so often associated with things like speaking in tongues and and prophetic words. And um, uh, but what the Holy Spirit's main purpose to, is to work in our hearts and cause us to share this message with everybody. Yeah. Just, it's to point to Jesus, point people right. to Jesus. That's the role of the Holy that's Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Um, I, I was talking to a lady one time and she just was, she was going on at me a little bit about how like, you know, we don't, um, you know, she was just, what about the Holy Spirit? What about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's job is to point to Jesus so that you might worship through Jesus, the Father in spirit and truth. And so that's right. um, that's the Holy Spirit never does his own thing. 
Um, he is always pointing you to the new thing, which is Jesus Christ and his gospel. Um, and, uh, and that is you relate to God now by grace. And so, um, and uh, just as a pastoral note to everyone, um, you, uh, if you're just having one person read this particular passage, um, um, have uh, go over the names with them, please. And because oh uh, it yes. is just, this is a brutal reading for uh, people who just pick it up that morning at uh, 945 before your 10 o'clock service. Yeah, um, it's like the American. American Ninja Warrior <laughs> equivalent of the of the gospel, of the scripture passage. One of the things that we do at Calvary St. George is kind of to make it cool is we have a lot, of, and if you have a lot of people in your congregation who might speak different languages, I mean, on Pentecost, we read the God, we read the, we we read the lessons in the languages of the, that are represented by the people and on that day. And uh, one of the things that we do with the reading of Acts is that, I mean, we have like at least 12 different languages represented in the congregation. I have them all stand up and read this passage at the exact same time. And it is, yeah. um, it's a little confusing, um, but really, really powerful. And, um, and so um, there's a lot of cool things you can do with the season of Pentecost liturgically. Yeah, so after that verse, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other languages. The Spirit gave them ability. People stand up, and then in French and Swahili and in uh, all these different languages start yelling out. And in churches where I've seen this done, they often will pick a verse from the Psalms or something like that, uh, where obviously all of that is translated. and um, Or it could be uh, one of these uh, Old Testament prophets you uh, mentioned, Jake. Uh, it could be this prophecy from Joel, um, but have them read that verse out loud at the mm. same time. It, it is it is really, really powerful. But nothing nothing kind of mm. deflates acts and on Pentecost is when somebody gets to these names and just starts stumbling all over the place. It really Parthians. is a total buzzkill. Yeah. Parthians Phrygia, Phrygia? and Elamites and uh, residents of yeah. Mesopotamia. Yeah. Mess up, and plus, yeah. your poor your poor lector is just going to have you know be shamed and Phrygia. Just, just feel kind. Of, <laughs> yeah, they're never going to serve again. They'll be so humiliated. So, if you're a church that doesn't like humiliating people, help them and let yeah. them practice before they do it. Praise the Lord. Well, this brings All right, us John to John 14. Yeah, and here we are, and uh, we see uh, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about Himself, really, and um, um, and uh, and. It's just a great, great scene. And you have like poor Philip, you know, and he's just like, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And this is taking place during the Last Supper. Everybody's a little scared. They're like, what the heck is going on, Jesus? You know, um, this isn't really working out the way we thought it was. Um, and uh, but so, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And uh, Jesus doesn't say, well, you know, you've got to look, you know, look in your heart or, you know, look, uh, you know, look to the clouds. He says, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever mm-hmm. has seen me has seen the Father. So if you want right. to know who the Father is, uh, don't look in your heart. Look to Jesus. Yeah. And by the way, this uh, this passage gets at one of the things I think is so important for people who are preachers to mm-hmm. realize that um, nobody knows what God is like except um, people who look at Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't you can't know who the Father is unless we see who Jesus is. That's mm-hmm. the primary way the identity of God is revealed to us. And so if you're in a church that is about something other than helping people know who God is as revealed in Jesus Christ, if people walk out of your services not really if they if they could 
summarize your sermon but not really be able to say anything about who God is as revealed in Jesus Christ, you kind of you kind of miss the point. That's right. Um, it's not just knowing more about how we should think about current events. It's not knowing more about uh, this issue or that issue. People should have some sense of who God is mm. for them as revealed in Jesus Christ. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit, as we already said. And, you know, the, you get this, there's an optional thing in the lectionary here, verses 25 and 27. I would say go ahead and include those you because bet. it's where it gets at that thing where that we've just said. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? Jesus tells you to remind you, people, us— of all that Jesus has said to us. The role of the Holy Spirit is to tell us who Jesus is, to remind us who Jesus is, to always stand there, uh, like John the Baptist pointing at Jesus, saying he's the one, follow him. That's right. And, you know, and he says this next thing, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And everybody's like, aha! But, um, you know, the law. Uh, yeah, the law, you, give him the law. And so, um, and what you want to do here is you need to remember what's going on in, where is this taking place in the context? You know, do this in remembrance of me. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it is there gathered around his table where he hosts a meal even for us that uh, he continues to give us the advocate to be with us forever. And, uh, you know, and, and quite frankly, the world can't receive it. The world can't receive it because it doesn't know him or see him. And uh, But we know him because that Holy Spirit abides in us. And you see, uh, you see Jesus present in your life today as he continues to feed you in the bread and wine. This is why we lift those elements up and say the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in That's remembrance right. that Jesus has died for you. And, uh, you know, yeah. and he says, I've said these things to you while I'm still with you. But the advocate of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, teach you everything. And it's the, it's the Holy Spirit that reminds us of um, all that Jesus has said, uh, which is summed up with, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Now, what do we mean here? We don't mean John Lennon, you know, um, all we're saying is give peace a chance. We're not talking about an abstraction. What we are talking about is a clear conscience, um, the forgiveness of sins, the ability to rest in the finished work of Christ and his goodness, despite what the world is saying and despite what's going on in the world around you. Um, this is the peace I live, leave you. This is the peace that Wesley saw with the Moravians on the bottom of the ship, you know, because they were That's ready right. to go. This is the peace that you see in those Coptic martyrs who walked on the beach in Libya and were beheaded by um, members of ISIS. This is the peace that... Um, uh, it give, that Christians have in Sri Lanka. And this is the peace that you have as you uh, kind of wrestle with um, um, all of your struggles as well. It's not the way the world gives it that says, hey, man, just move on, do your best, and God will do the rest. This is the peace that says your sins are forgiven, and I am with you always. Yep. So if you're preaching Pentecost this Sunday, um, you begin in Genesis with uh, people always trying to reach God on their own um, and what a faulty uh, and futile uh, effort that is. Uh, And then the message of uh, Acts is that God comes to us and the Spirit shows up. And it's not all about the pyrotechnics. It's about preaching this message to everybody, that this is open to everybody and we're all called to uh, believe in uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. And John, uh, in, in John's gospel, we hear from Jesus and he describes what that 
looks like that it to know that God is with us, to know that Jesus is with us, to know that the Spirit lives in us. Um, it means that we are loved and that we are forgiven and we can have peace, the peace of a conscience that's been washed um, mm. and made clean. And we don't have to be afraid anymore. And that's the message of, of Pentecost. Um, and so we, we uh, <laughs> preach that, say what Jake said, and, uh, and everything will be, will be well on this Pentecost Sunday for you. Anything else you want to add, Jake? No, just uh, that Pentecost reminds us that, uh, and this is maybe a hymn you want to sing, but great is thy faithfulness, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, God is faithful and he's been faithful to all of his promises and he's fulfilled them in Jesus. And uh, we know that because he's not left us as orphans, but he's given us his spirit. And so as Paul says in Romans, we can cry out Abba. And so, because we're no longer slaves, but children and joint heirs with Christ. Also, if you go to an ABBA tribute band concert, you can also cry that out, (laughs) but it just has a different meaning. Uh, And I just want to give a shout out to TJ Hester, the sound engineer that makes us sound so good, who, Mm. when I last saw him, was wearing an ABBA t-shirt. So, TJ, this one's dedicated to you. We love you. Mm. And and, and to our listeners, we love you, too. Thanks for listening. ABBA for life. Take it easy. That's right. Woo! Bye. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.